0: Betch's Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow with host Aileen Drexler. I'm having a relationship with my pizza. In a world where wellness looks perfect on Instagram. Just doing my workout, Tuesday's arms and back. But feels anything but in real life. Is butter a carb? Yes. This is the podcast exploring the emotional side of well-being. I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. From people who understand the struggle. I am on the third
1: day of my cleanse diet. Hello and welcome to Die Starts Tomorrow. I'm Eileen, I'm your host, and happy Mother's Day. First of all, happy Mother's Day to all our DST moms out there. It's my first Mother's Day that I'm celebrating, and I'm very excited to introduce today's guest. She is a mother of two sets of twins, a former real estate attorney who loves a good analogy. She's a Real Housewives of New Jersey star, She's Jackie Goldschneider. But before I bring her in, I do want to mention to everybody who's listening that during this conversation, we talk a lot about very specific things that Jackie's experienced while suffering from an eating disorder. So if you are suffering from an eating disorder or disordered eating, a lot of the contents of this episode may feel triggering to you. Just wanted to put that warning out there. Listen if you want and for those of you who have not watched Real Housewives of New Jersey, Jackie has been on the show since 2018 and she's sort of talked about struggling or recovering from an eating disorder, but this last season, this season this year, she realizes that she needs help and seeks therapy and her therapist tells her that she has anorexia and then you see episodes to come where she goes through therapy and is now on a road to recovery. So I am really excited to hear from Jackie, to hear from her perspective, what it's like to be going through this on camera so publicly. So I am personally so grateful to have her on. I'm so happy she's here. So welcome to DST, Jackie Goldschneider.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, I want to say thank you so much for everything that you're talking about on the show. I mean, I'm I'm personally, I have a lifetime uh, you know history of disordered eating. You're making a difference in even in just my personal life, just to see it on TV talked about in the way that you talk about it, it really it makes a difference. and I just I really want to say thank you.
2: Thank you. That's really nice. Yeah, the response that I've gotten has been so unbelievably amazing and validating, and it just feels so good to know that people are really, you know, touched by the story and like see themselves in the story. So that's been great for me also.
1: Yeah, you definitely see and hear you speak about like certain nuances or details about the things that you're going through. Must definitely not <laughs> must not be easy, um, and that's what I was saying is that I scream at the TV. I'm like, but how? I'm saying, oh my god, it's amazing that you're saying these things, but how is she feeling saying it with a camera? Like that's all I. That's all I'm thinking about too, and I really want to talk to you about that. About like what is it like with the cameras on you?
2: So I will say that it was a lot harder to hide everything with the cameras on me than to reveal everything with the cameras on me. What it took for me to hide everything for the first three seasons was torture. So it wasn't when I finally decided to really follow through with recovery, Mm -hmm. it almost, it was therapeutic to say it out loud because I knew that there would be people who would relate to it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't just like I was admitting this horrible secret that like would people would think I was a monster. I knew it wouldn't be received <laughs> like that.
1: Yeah. Um, so you joined the show in 2018, right? Mm-hmm. What was going on with you like health wise then? What made you want to join the show then?
2: Well, you know, I had and have a really full, beautiful life, but it was a little bit like Groundhog Day ish. So it was almost like I never took for granted having a, a beautiful marriage and healthy kids, but it was like the same routine every mm-hmm. single day. And I loved journalism, but I was a little bit stuck, you know, mm-hmm. like I was kind of stuck in like New Jersey publications and like the kids were doing the same thing over and over and we were doing the same thing over and over. So it was like a beautiful opportunity to experience a new career. And I, I don't like to ever say no to anything. So I really was like into it.
1: Mm-hmm. But like knowing that you were sort of struggling or had this history, right? Were you worried that was that in the back of your mind when you were signing? I up? mean,
2: it was not only in the back of my mind; it was my first concern mm-hmm. all the time with everything. Was how do I fool everyone? How mm-hmm. do I act like I'm recovered from this? Or how do I not let people catch on? And I had a lot of systems in place. I had a lot of rules for myself. And, you know, my biggest fear is going into the season was how am I not going to exercise during cast trips? Mm -hmm. And how am I going to fake it during meals? And, you know, I just made myself a whole lot of rules that I stuck by and I would just hope that nobody caught on.
1: Are you comfortable sharing some of those systems that you now look back on and can't believe that you sort of put into place?
2: Yeah. I mean, the systems were similar to the ones that I always had for myself, but I had figured out a way to eat two meals a week that weren't counting calories. And I saved those for cameras. So those two meals, I didn't, there were two meals a week being filmed that I didn't have that much of a problem with. It was the times when I wasn't in a meal that was a problem for me. So like, if I had to go to someone's house and they offered me something, then I didn't, then my mind would like freeze and I wouldn't know what to do. But some of the rules I had in place, I mean, there was a certain amount of, you know, ounces of meat that I could eat during a a food scene or certain amounts of, you know, a side order that I could eat. You know, it was more of a quantity thing. And then I would just have to count my calories. So at home, I would restrict even more so that during a scene, if I got caught off guard, then I could eat a little bit more. Or if I knew I had three meals that week, I would just cut my meals in half. And I mean, sadly, most of our meals are not really about eating. Yeah. So it was easy, you know. It wasn't as hard to hide it because if you wait long enough to take your first bite, someone will start yelling at somebody else, and then then the food is last concern to anybody.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a bit of it plays a bit of a prop for the drama. Did you ever see yourself talking about this, like when you signed up or like in the first season or whatever? Did you ever see yourself even like being on a podcast here, being so open about? the rules that you put in place.
2: Oh, no, no, no. When I, you know, in Oklahoma, which was my first cast trip in 2018, I indicated that I had had an eating disorder and that I was recovered from it because I, I wanted to talk about it. You know, I almost felt like if I'm hiding in plain sight that maybe one day I'll feel strong enough to recover from this, but i was so afraid that I was going to be shamed into recovering if I let anybody know that it was still going on. I never thought that I would actually be open about all these things because I held them very secretive. I didn't even let my husband – I mean, my husband saw more than I thought. But he – I like, I kept it a secret from everybody. And if anybody tried to bring it up, I would shut it down really quickly. So, no, I never envisioned that I'd be at this point.
1: Right. Did any of your castmates – I know you, you said that Margaret was – somebody you confided in but is there anybody else that sort of helped you or helped you see that you were doing certain things that you didn't like that you didn't realize that they noticed
2: um yeah th- they seem to notice you know Margaret, uh, during my second season everyone kind of was talking about it behind my back which is what I didn't want mm-hmm. but they seem to notice the non meal parts like at breakfast when uh, breakfast was always a very big problem for me and i think they mm-hmm. caught on to that you know, there was one scene where I was just eating a bag of like veggie chips, you know, because I could count the calories of those. Yeah. And for me, it was like when I saw Melissa cooking up a big breakfast, my body would always freeze and panic. I would go into panic mode because I didn't want to be forced to eat anything. And I think people started to see through that. And Margaret, especially because she's the closest to me. But I just never wanted it to be something that people like joked about or, yeah. or talked about behind my back. But people did start noticing things.
1: Yeah. Did seeing yourself on TV like contribute to anything? No,
2: I think my body issues were always so bad mm-hmm. that TV didn't really make it worse. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like TV made me feel worse about my looks in general because people would comment all the time that I had a lisp, that my lips moved sideways, that Crazy. I was ugly, that I had bad hair. Like everyone, like everyone, So I would get very self-conscious about that. But when it came to being thin, I found TV to be very validating for me because everyone was like, eat a burger, eat a sandwich. And for me, when you have an eating disorder, that kind of comment actually feels good. So I would take those and I would feel good about those. But the ones about my looks made me self-conscious about the way I looked, but not my body. That didn't get worse with TV. It's interesting. I've can.
1: i shared a story in the past, actually in a recent episode, I was talking to Dylan who does our Bravo, actually Bravo by Vetches. And I was sharing that like when I was younger in camp, one of my girlfriends like said like, I think that you have like a distorted body image. And I like took it as a complete compliment. Like it was completely validating for me. Yeah, And I can totally understand how that could make you feel better <laughs> in that yeah. twisted way. Actually reality. the worst
2: thing that you could always say to me, the very worst comment that I could ever get was somebody telling me I looked healthy because to me, that was an indication that I had gained weight.
1: Yeah.
2: And for me, I I knew how far I was going to keep my body weight really low. And so if if I was gaining weight, I don't know what else I would have been able to do. So that was always the scariest comment for me.
1: So now you're in recovery. Congratulations. How many months has it been?
2: Um, I started the recovery process, really got started with it in August Mm -hmm. of um, 2021. So it's been what, like eight months or so? I added um a medical nutritionist to the team in September
1: mm-hmm. of
2: 2021. And so it's
1: been, you know, maybe like eight months. What is it like to kind of watch the beginning of your recovery?
2: What is it like? I I think because it was received so well and there was such a strong reaction. I mean, I oh, would get thousands of messages. It felt great. If people had been like, you know, get her off TV. She doesn't belong here. It's destroying her. You know, then I probably would have been like, what did I do? You know, but that's not the way it went at all. It feels, it feels good watching it back because I know people are being helped by this. Mm-hmm. I know it. And if that's my legacy on TV, to know that I not only saved myself, but saved other people too, then that's amazing. What
1: mm-hmm. more can you ask? And you share such vulnerable things like about your relationship with Evan and you share a thought that like many many people have but they're really afraid to say out loud that like their partner may reject them if their body changes. What was that like just to even knowing that you're saying these kind of scary things, you know, publicly yeah. and then you have cameras rolling? Did you want to like double down or were you hesitant?
2: No, I mean, I was I was hesitant to ask him. I know that he would love me no matter what, mm-hmm. but it's a it was a big fear of mine. Not just with him, just with everybody in my life. Like, how are you going to treat me when I'm not the same person? So much of my identity had been wrapped up in being the thinnest person in the room. I always knew that no matter what room I walked into, I would probably be the thinnest woman in that room. And to have that big piece of my identity gone, you know, was scary for me with every relationship I had. So I couldn't help myself from asking him. I needed to ask.
1: Yeah. Is part of your therapy to sort of figure out then what is your identity if it's not the thinnest, quote, unquote, I'm not, I'm not saying you're not, I'm just saying that's mm-hmm. the quote, unquote, the yeah. thinnest person in the room?
2: Um, yeah. So a lot of my therapy is about figuring out why I started doing this in the first place okay, and why I default to not eating when I get stressed out or anxious. And also to redefine, not so much to figure out what my identity is, but to stop myself from forming an identity based on external judgments of how I look or what I'm doing. Am I doing enough? Do people like me enough? All of that has been so therapeutic in so many different aspects of my life, you know? So I was defining myself by what I looked like, but I was also defining myself by my job title and who thought I was doing enough and who thought that I was pretty enough. And so therapy has been amazing for all of that.
3: It feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Small's. Small's cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages and you scoop it and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh, protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce.
1: well speaking of the why can you take us back like from when it started for you I mean you talked about it's sort of stemming from getting comments about your body from kids what are some core memories for you of like how it progressed into you know the point where you were like I need help
2: you know I think it really goes all the way back to childhood I watched my
1: you know, parents do certain things. And then
2: like, you know, I was really happy as a kid. And then when I was 13 years old, I moved my freshman year of high school to New Jersey from New York. And it was a lot of culture shock. I was all alone. I didn't come in with friends and everyone came into that high school with friends. They had been together since like birth. Mm -hmm. And I came in the same grade as my brother who was disabled. And that became my role at school was just like, To stop people from teasing my brother, which is fine because that's why I'm here on earth is to protect the people I love. But it was hard for me because immediately I started gaining weight. I was lonely. My house was in a new development. I would come home every day from school. My parents both worked full time. There was no one home with me. And I would just start eating when I got home. Mm -hmm. So, because I, I came from Staten Island where all the houses are next to each other and everyone lived like there was 30 kids on my block and I was always active and having fun and there Mm -hmm. was nobody, nobody around me. The next house was an acre. It was six acres away. So I just really started gaining weight really fast. I had no close friendships and people were not kind, you know, bullying was tolerated in a way that it is not tolerated today. My brother and I were both bullied. And people just made a lot of really mean comments to me. And I think, you know, there was a girl, I remember, I, I alluded to this, but there was a very, very thin, beautiful girl in my grade. And I used to just watch her like flit around and she was probably nice, but like never spoke to me or anything. Yeah. And I remember somebody saying to me that boys love her because they could pick her up by their pinky. And that comment stayed with me. and I. It was like, I knew that one day I wanted to be the kind of girl that boys could pick up with their pinky. And I always knew that in the back of my head. And so I yo-yo dieted from the time I was, my first diet was my senior year of high school. My doctor sent me to Weight Watchers and really indicated to me that I was not going to be happy being overweight. So he sent me to Weight Watchers and that started me on a really tough course of like punishing my body. Weight Watchers back then was really punishing. It was all about restriction, all about exchanges. And I just like, it It got me like wildfire. I remember going to going to Weight Watchers straight from the doctor's office and it was like I had found God. I the went meetings, straight right? to the supermarket. I bought like cottage cheese and Melba toast and I don't think I ate anything else for months. I lost 50 pounds before college. And then I was completely distorted, not anorexic, just very like messed up. I would eat a lot, then not eat for days, then run like eight miles a day. And like my weight was all over the place. And then in like 2003, I decided to try, I was always trying new stuff. And then in 2003, I decided to try cutting out one thing from my diet every day. And then the second week I cut out two things. And the third week I cut out three things. And I remember I was just losing weight and it was great. And I was down like 10 pounds and then I met Evan. And I was like, oh my God, he's such a beautiful man <laughs> and I don't want to lose him. So I better shape up. Yeah. And I just, I kept cutting. And then the more weight I would lose, the more scared I would get because he was just getting to know me. And here I was just like, blossoming into this beautiful body. I was going from an eight to a six to a four to a two. And I'm saying, well, I can't gain it back now. I just found this boyfriend, you know? So then it got so carried away so fast. It spiraled so fast that I didn't know what to do.
1: Like what was the catalyst moment that you were like, okay, let me start removing things from my diet?
2: Um, I think I was just fed up with, you know, it was the summer. It was the summer of 2003, I was dating a guy who, you know, was just like intermittently interested in me. I didn't feel great about my body. I happened to have a, my group of college friends move to the city with me after college. And like, they were all thin and like, I just wasn't, you know, it was never easy for me. And I just felt like it was just another thing I was going to try, you know, but I was always fed up. I always hated my body. I always talked down to myself and... You know, I just didn't like the way that I looked. I always was told I had a pretty face. You know, people called me zaftig, which is the Yiddish word for, like, thicker and big. And, like, I just hated it. I hated it.
1: Isn't it crazy how people, like, feel so comfortable commenting on other people's bodies?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the comments I would get, especially from extended family. Yeah, You know, people just, you know... Even unlike I love my dad, but even my dad would comment. You know, if I'd come home from college and gain weight, you know, people would comment. So yeah. it was hard.
1: Yeah. So when you were with Evan, did you guys ever discuss like did you ever share with him your concerns or it was just secret?
2: The beginning of my relationship with Evan had to have been torture. I mean, he is so patient, but I was so restrictive that it was really hard for him to do anything food related with me. And if he asked me a single question, I would basically like bite his head off all other times. I was so even keel. I was nice. I was hard working, you know, but if he tried to discuss like eating with me, I would just like run away.
1: What would you do? um,
2: It was, it must've been really hard for him because we really couldn't go to a restaurant unless I checked the menu first, and I called the restaurant, and I made sure that the chef would make things a different way. There was very few foods I felt comfortable eating. Everything had to be steamed. No oil could touch my plate. And so like that had to be like really hard for him. I remember when we were first really getting serious, um, his parents took us out to dinner at a place that his mom happened to love, and she insisted on ordering for me. And it was... It was one of the hardest meals I've ever sat through in my life because I I really didn't want to insult her, but I did not want anyone ordering for me. I couldn't eat what they ordered for me. So it was a really hard, it was really hard at the table to get through that meal. I didn't know what to do. And so I remember, I remember every meal because every meal was so torture, was torture.
1: So now kind of looking back, do you look back at pictures and and say like, oh, like th- have a completely distorted view of like, oh, that I didn't look like that's what I look like. You know what I mean? Like you, you completely have a different perception of what was actually going on.
2: Yeah. I don't think I thought I was quite as thin as I look in some of those pictures, but I knew how hungry I was. I just feel like wow. when I look at pictures, my main thought is got to have to do this trip over because I didn't enjoy yeah. one meal during that whole trip, my honeymoon. I went to Italy and I went to Spain and I don't think I ate anything with steamed vegetables and salad. I, I mean, I went to Israel. I think I had like two bites of something good and that's it. I just I remember I went to um, we went to the Dead Sea and there was a we stayed in this little hotel in the Dead Sea. And um, there was a gym and I had to work out. So I made sure the hotel we chose had a gym. And in this gym, there was one. There was just one treadmill. That's it. So um, there was a sign-up sheet for the treadmill, and so I signed up for like seven a.m. And when I got there at seven a.m., there was someone on it, and I said, "It's my time." And she said she'd be done in a half hour, but I knew we had to be on a tour. Yeah. So I like I kind of freaked out, and like I didn't know what to do. And I was like pacing. I was trying to run in place. I didn't know what to do with myself. It was horrible. I mean, every picture I look at, I remember just how horrible I felt.
1: You can feel your anxiety, like you're taken Mm -hmm. back to that moment. But so at what point though, were you like, okay, I need, I need to get help. And then is that where you kind of said that you are recovered, but not necessarily, like, where is the recover, the thought about recovery come in?
2: Yeah. I said, I need help a lot of times over the last 18 years, but I was not able to get there. One time in particular that I didn't actually end up getting myself any help, but what i consider my absolute rock bottom was a trip that i took to an all inclusive in mexico where i was so scared of all inclusive because they wouldn't change any meals for me that i brought 36 cans of tuna fish in my suitcase and i ate those in the bathroom in uh-huh. the bathroom instead of eating my meals it was you know it was just that's the things that really really sick people do And so for me, that was just a trade-off. It was like, you know, if I want to look like this, this is the stuff I have to do. And so that trip, I knew that was six months after my wedding. And I had lost six pounds since my wedding. I was so thin. And I knew then that if I didn't stop this at some point, I would die from it. And then after I had kids, which was another torturous process, when you have an eating disorder, after I had kids, In about 2013, somebody said to me, I know somebody who can help you. And I said, thank you. I don't need help. I'm good. And they said, take the number anyway. She's a, she's a, you know, a dietitian, nutritionist, and she specializes in people with eating disorders. So I took the number, I called her, I went to see her and, you know, it's not really her fault. She got me to a place where I could eat those two meals a week in Mm -hmm. public. Yeah, And then I stopped because I saw that doing that didn't really make me gain much weight. And Mm -hmm. I was like, this is enough for me. It's great. Two meals a week to me feels like freedom. So I stopped there and I didn't let her help me anymore. And I considered myself recovered enough to fool people. And that was good enough for me. And that's where I lived for until this year.
1: Yeah. Like you're like, this system works. I can live with this. It worked. I had a system. It's good enough. Thank you so much for sharing all that for stuff. No, like I'm, I'm happy
2: to. i would feel yeah. so good to like finally. If it must feel good. You know? And I also want to help other people. I'm hoping yeah. that people hear me and they're like, my God, that's what I do. And and if she stopped, maybe I can stop. That's yeah. my goal with all of this.
1: And this time you st- was it really that conversation or just generally conversations about like your kids noticing. Was that really what was the that drew the line in yes. the sand?
2: That drew the line in the sand for me. That was like you know, I always toyed with the idea of wanting to recover and I wasn't ready and I, I didn't want to come clean about this stuff. I thought the, everyone would think I was crazy. And then when I found out that my kids were really seeing a lot more than I thought that they were, the thought of them, it wasn't that I thought they would judge me. It's that this is when those habits take hold. It's, mm-hmm. it's watching your parents do it. That I wasn't worried that my 11 year old was going to do it at 11. I was worried that when she turns 18 and says, How did mommy lose weight? she would start emulating the things that I was doing, you know, even my boys. Mm-hmm. So I knew as soon as Evan said that, I started that conversation sort of like just kind of testing the waters. And as soon as he said that my son had been asking what I, you know, why I eat the same dinner every night, that I knew that my kids were catching a lot. I knew that damage was already done
1: hmm So what are the conversations that you have? Like, what have they been like with your kids now that you've been, you know, you said however many, eight months um, yeah.
2: in therapy? Um, so it really started with them watching the show with me. I didn't have too many conversations with them before that, other than really letting them see me model much better behavior. So after that ice cream scene, we started weekly going for ice cream. And I would I would get some, I didn't eat the whole thing, but just them seeing me get ice cream was important. So I let them see me model really healthy behaviors. I let them see me, you know, eating different dinners every night, but it's in terms of having conversations, we, we really, we would watch the show together. And then when I would have them in the car on the way to school, I would discuss the show with them, ask them if they had questions, you know, cause I had a captive audience yes. and uh, you know, I just really made it very open. Like anytime they had questions about anything, you know, come talk to me, but they were a little shy about talking about it. I think they they knew that it was like a hurtful subject for me. Mm-hmm. So um, it took them a little while to like feel okay asking me questions, but they definitely notice and they're definitely, you know, I know that they're happy that I'm eating, like I'm sharing meals with the family now.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. It must feel good to have like that family time together. So you said you have a team of people that help you do they get cuz we also had a lot of people write in saying like for mothers who may be struggling with disordered eating or just just uh, body image issues and they don't want to put it on their kids and me personally like I started therapy years 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 ago because I was like I'm going to have a kid one day and I bet you I'm going to have a girl <laughs> which I ended up having and I don't want to put those the way that I look in the mirror the body check all all of my shit <laughs> I don't want to I don't want her to have that So, do you have any advice that you've gotten from your team that you can share with other mothers?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, your kids notice everything. So, that's number one, but that's often not enough to like help you stop. Mm -hmm. So, I would say, you know, I have a lot of issues with, I have less issues with the eating part. I'm enjoying the eating part. It's scary sometimes, but. The work I do with my nutritionist is so great. She like opens me up very slowly to new foods and like letting go a little bit. The weight gain, I haven't had an easy go with. That's been hard for me. So I would say any parent struggling with like body image and like talking negatively to yourself, you know, one thing my therapist said to me is that like, if you have a child and they were malnourished, wouldn't you want them to grow out of their clothing? Wouldn't you want them to get bigger? And so I have yeah. to always keep that in mind. And I guess, you know, the, the bottom line is that you want your children to love themselves and you want them to love themselves no matter what they look like. And so you have to model that back to them. And also, I mean, just the best advice I received is really like, talk to yourself like you're your best friend. Like, would you say to your best friend, if she gained a few pounds, would you say, God, you look like shit now? Like those jeans used to fit and now they don't. And you look like shit. You know, like yeah. you wouldn't
1: say that to your best friend. <laughs> That's treat so hard to hard yeah. like you would treat your best friend. You it's know? obviously way harder. Yeah.
2: Yes. But like, give yourself compassion and give yourself grace and like, not only with this, but I do it. With all kinds of things in my life, which is, a, I think, a symptom of an eating disorder is like you really put a lot of pressure on yourself with everything. And I have become just so much more at peace with myself and who I am and not defining myself by outside external things. And I've really never felt better.
1: Well, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> and, yeah, no, that advice. I mean... The whole, the best friend thing, like it's, isn't it so much harder to like, of course I would never say that to my friend. She's my friend, but me, I am so hard on myself Mm -hmm. and, but it does come out in different ways. So are there other misconceptions? I know that there's stuff you shared on the show, but any misconceptions or things you wish people knew about eating disorders that they don't know?
2: Yeah, a lot. First of all, you don't have to be thin. To have an eating disorder so a lot of people would look at people or me there were times when like i appeared totally normal looking you know a certain outfit or what or even people who are overweight and they would say well clearly they don't have an eating disorder it has nothing to do with that there are people who yo-yo in very dangerous ways there are very dangerous diets out there And I think that it's a big misconception that you have to look like a skeleton in order to have an eating disorder and that's completely wrong. Another thing is that eating disorders, I don't primarily think are about being thin so much. At the beginning, it was about being thin for me. I wanted to be you know, that size zero girl that boys could pick up with their pinky. But after a while, it doesn't become about that. I mean, when I was truly emaciated, and still wanted to lose more weight, it wasn't because I thought I would look great if I lost more weight. It's a control thing. It's an anxiety thing. And um, it really has less to do with the numbers on the scale than it does with controlling. When your world feels out of control, sometimes you know that you can control your weight. And so you hyper control your weight. So it's not really about food and dieting so much, which is why it's even harder to stop. You know, because you need the therapy. You don't just need to eat. You need the therapy.
1: You need the therapy, definitely. To also like show you the things that like you've believed all these things about yourself and about food and about nutrition that you thought were facts for so many years. And then someone is coming here and telling you, actually, these aren't that it's not the case. Like there was this that scene with your therapist, which I thought was really fascinating where you said you said normal people would eat less after having half an ice cream because they, it would mess up their day. And then your therapist was like, actually, no, that's not When were there other like revelations? And I still struggle with
2: that one. Yeah, I still struggle a lot with not compensating when mm-hmm. I eat something. I struggle with feeling bad, but I am learning that it is not, I thought it was a straight science, like calories in, calories no, yeah. out, And that's all that matters at the end of the day. For 18 years, I lived by that. That was my Bible. Mm -hmm. So I would eat less than I exercised and like expended. And it was always just what I did. So for me to learn that like, that's not the way it works. And I am learning that. And it is true. It is not the way it works. I mean, there are times when I really like had watched myself and like I would look bigger or like I indulged in them. Like you lose weight anyway. It's just not the way that it works, you know? So I think that I, I, I don't know where I was going with, oh, more conversations. I yeah, It's like yes, were well, revelations
1: I've- that you had that you thought were like actually what normal people did, but that actually were thoughts that were like sourced from a disordered mindset.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the whole calorie thing, calories. I mean, calories are my world. You know, calories are still a part of my world. I'm working on that really hard. But I think that's the biggest thing. The calorie in, calorie out is not, it's, it's not a science. It doesn't work like that. That's been the biggest revelation for me. Just also, I never thought that I could be okay in a bigger size. I was always, if a size zero, and I'm sure that the other eating disordered people do this although I haven't had this discussion with anybody, but if a size zero didn't fit me, I wouldn't go up a size. I just wouldn't get it. Yeah. So for me, I never thought that being in a bigger size and, fe- and I would ever feel okay about that. And it really, like, it really took a lot of work with the, my therapist to realize, this is another revelation, that your size doesn't matter at all. No one cares. It's a number. It's a number label sewed into, you know, a piece of clothing. And like beyond that, it doesn't matter. And I think learning to understand that different designers measure sizes in completely different ways. For some people, a size two is going to be is going to fit someone who's regularly a size six. And for some people, it's not going to fit you even if you weigh 85 pounds. You know, Mm -hmm. so understanding that and really seeing that for myself has really helped me. Put less emphasis on whatever number is in my clothing.
1: Yeah, that's so true about clothing. Mm-hmm. Like literally, and and we attach so much moral value to the number, but really it, it doesn't mean anything. It's just it how they anything. decide to categorize their own clothing. And yet we take it so personally. You're so right. So I know we're running out of time. So I just, I wanna like close out and ask you, is there any advice you would give first to your, your younger self, whether it's the self that, didn't quite start becoming was starting to have those thoughts of wanting to go on a diet. What advice would you give to that person?
2: Uh, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to look good. I have no problem with that, but I mean, I destroyed so many years of my life by not eating. I just I really hurt my health in a lot of ways that I still have yet to go into. Publicly, I, you know, I just destroyed vacations. I made everything, I made myself so anxious so many times. So I wish I didn't do that to myself. However, I do think that it all led me to this moment where I can be a voice of hope and like help people. And I'm not just saying that in a self righteous way. I wanted so badly when I was going through the worst of it to see somebody else in the public eye who said, I suffered so bad. I did all of this nonsense that you're doing. I did it 10 times worse. And I came out the other side and I'm okay. You know, I'm bigger, yeah. but I'm okay. And there was no one like that for me. There was one celebrity memoir by Portia de Rossi. And I read it over and over and over again, just looking for hope. And there was nobody else. So it all led me to being here and maybe I can be that person now. And so I don't know how much I would have changed because, you know, it got me here. But yeah, I mean, it's just sad. It's sad to have spent all that time not enjoying those meals and not being present with people at restaurants and worrying so much and, you know, really getting my health to a bad place. But I wish I could tell myself to ease up. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it is what it is and it's done.
1: It yeah. is what it is. And now you said you want to redo a lot of those trips and you can. Oh, yeah.
2: I definitely do. Definitely we, Israel. Definitely yeah. um, Italy,
1: Spain. Italy has some good food. Sure. They know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jackie, for being so open. And you're so right. You really are helping a lot of people, especially people who are silently suffering. The people that you just said like don't know where to turn to. And you're doing it so publicly. And that must be Really hard, even though I know you're saying it is. I must be hard, so I just want to say thank you so much on behalf of everyone who feels that way. And where can people follow you? And your Instagram is at Jackie Goldschneider. Jackie
2: Goldschneider. Mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter at JG Schneid, and I'm on Facebook at Jackie Goldschneider. And um, you know, I still have a lot of work to do. I would also say that this is not something just for like rich people. Um, my help is covered by insurance. I submit my claims and I get most of it back. And also I would just say that you are never, ever too old to stop ever. There's no point in your life where it's too late for you to stop or it's not worth it. You know, I have a lot more work to do and I hope to bring that to people also and let them watch, watch me do that work because I think it's important. So thank you so much for having me on today.
1: Thank you. No, that's a really good point that it's really, there's no, it's never too late. Like you can always get help and you could always change your life for the better, the healthier. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to watch you do that now. So congratulations. Thank you so much. And that is it for this episode of Diet Starts Tomorrow. You can follow me at Aileen, follow Jackie at Jackie Goldschneider, follow Diet Starts Tomorrow at the exact same thing on Instagram. And we're always with you
2: through thick
0: and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Stacey Wong, and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacy Wong. Be sure to follow at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com.
2: Betches.